Hey, welcome out to the Grace Ops Podcast. Brian Phillips here with you today. Wow, it's an interesting world we live in, isn't it? <laughs> Whew. We've got to uh, tune in to the living God. Dig into his word. These are the days where God is awakening his people. We must take action, political action. Got to let your voice be heard. We have to stand for our country and for the beautiful land that God has given us. Anyway, that's just a little intro there for you. I uh, I want to talk about today's podcast. We were recently in Lena, Illinois. We had 60, 70 guys at a half-day men's conference for Grace Ops. Had all kinds of great guys there. Uh, Pastor Steve Castle, Ryan Benchimer, Dr. Ken Hansen. Brian Frizey, Ryan Evan, myself. I mean, it was just a really powerful day. A great lineup. We even had Lenny LaGuardia, who came in over the uh, the Zoom call on the big screen. It was a really cool day. Powerful worship, powerful time in the Word. Great fellowship over lunch. So I, I basically included on this podcast, it's the T212 Culture Grace Ops comes out of a scripture, Titus 2.12. So it's the T2.12 culture, and I, I, uh, I talked about it in Lena for about 45 minutes. And I got some really good feedback on it, and I wanted to share it here on this podcast because it's part of the Grace Ops, and it might be, to this point in time, one of the best explanations or, or uh, charges that I've kind of built around this, so I wanted to share it here with all of us. So, hey, enjoy the T212 Culture Talk. God bless you. Tune into our podcast, which you are. Uh, what I mean by that is subscribe to it, share it, get some gear. Um, we've got some sweet gear. Whenever we bring them to an event, our gear just flies off the shelf. It's like we've got hats, hoodies, T-shirts. Now, you won't find it on our website because we changed printers, and we didn't like the old printer or the first printer we went with, which was an online system. We went with a local printer right here in Boone County, Illinois. So really got some sweet stuff. If you're interested in it, um, reach out to us and we'll, we'll coordinate getting you some gear. All right. God bless you until next time. Live upright. Enjoy the T212 culture talk. How you doing? All right. You're in for a good day. This is going to be a really powerful, um, it's going to be, I've never been in anything kind of like what we created for today. It's going to be, I think, very man-friendly. It's kind of like ADD proof, if you will. So uh, it's going to be like rapid fire from here. This is kind of like a, it's kind of a little bit of a slower takeoff. And then once it gets going, it's going to go boom. Before you know, it'll be three o'clock and you'll be enjoying Florida weather. It'll be 50 degrees. So um, recently, you know how they're coming out with this like gun ban stuff and they're, they're talking about psychological exams. Why? Well, I'm a chaplain of the police uh, over in Boone County for... 12 years now, and I got to see the exam, and the first question is really wild, right? The first question says, what movie do you like best, John Wick or Frozen? It's weird. And then the next question is like, it actually, it's a digital file that plays a song, and the song is the theme song to Frozen, but they changed the words. It's like, let it go, let it go, let your constitutional rights go. It's like, man, no, that's not the test. I'm just joking. But I am a chaplain within Boone County, but I just wanted to have some fun with you there. Make sure you're really sparked and woken up and talk about your gun rights. Like, what's up? You can't do that. 
We want to lay out for you in the next few moments the culture. We call it the T212 culture. It comes out of Titus chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. And we, I want to lay out for you the culture, kind of the heart of Grace Ops, how you can participate in it, how you can actually benefit from it, actually how it can change your world in incremental ways to help you live upright and also empower you to help change other men's lives. Men are under attack right now. Men have been under attack for decades. The enemy is threatened by the masculine because God ordained men to lead. God ordained men to protect their families, to raise families. God, God made men to provide and to protect and to actually lead the way in a household. And if you don't have a household, then you're supposed to learn from another man. Hopefully your father or another man that would be like your father. So why do we have an epidemic today of a fatherless generation? Is because the enemy hates men. If you can destroy the family, you can destroy the world. You can actually, globalism will work without men. Or if you take, if you can neuter a man, then you've got the world. Men are very strategic by the heart of God to stand and take ground and keep ground. So I want to share with you just the heart, the vision, the passion of where Grace Ops, kind of where it came from, the origins. It hasn't even really started yet. This is just kind of the getting out of the grounds kind of thing, even an event like this for us. And I want you to help partner with us today to actually take this into the earth. Your voice matters. Your heart matters. Your pursuit of God matters. And for us to win the, the, our land back, for us to win the, this country back, we have to take it by everybody's backyards. We've got to go local, local, right? Lo- and then regional. Like, we've got to start thinking way more small. We may not be able to reach the big picture, but we can reach the backyards. We can reach the counties. We can, you're with me? I mean, I really want you to be encouraged today because the enemy literally is going after your throat, men. Because if he can get you passive, if he can get you afraid, if he can get you checked out and numb, he's got you. This world's already in a moral decline. We're, we're already in this rapid moral decline. It's been that way for a long time. But what, the way, and I, I'm going to say this: I believe it's the church's fault, but I also believe it's men's fault. We backed away. We allowed political correctness to neuter us. All right. Good morning. <laughs> Welcome. Welcome out. But we've allowed this systematic theology, if you will, to kind of come into our worlds and, and kind of cause us to just be more and more tame and more and more, okay, well, that, they want to do that now. No, they want to do that now. And we've got to learn how to stand up and, and live a righteous life because the, the other thing that the enemy is trying to kill in silence is the voice of the believer, is to shut your mouth, to make you so afraid to even talk about God. That they're, you know, part of their agenda is to put a mask on your mouth, right? Like I was at the chief of police's, his father had passed a couple weeks ago, and we, I went to the, the services. It was one of the times I didn't have to do the services, which was great. I normally help those guys do all that. And I was the only guy in the room at this funeral place without a mask on. I mean, you know, the mayor's there, all, these, all the big city officials, and they would come up to me and kind of had that look. It was, a, it was a look. And my, I just broke the ice with like, I'm like, hey, man, I'm a preacher, dude. You can't, put a, you can't muzzle a preacher. 
and then they all kind of would laugh a little bit. And I'm like, and uh, but all the officers they they like that about me. They're like, we like it that you're you're against all this stuff and you're just so bold about it. And I'm like, and then in my mind, I'm like, I thought boldness would just be so much more of a higher bar, you know, than. I just, I'm a little disappointed. <laughs> I thought boldness would be bold. Um, so Grace Ops partners with the Great Commission. Grace Ops partners with the Great Commission by drawing men to Christ and also training men to be followers of Christ. So Grace Ops is a culture that's going to continue to develop. It's going to continue to adapt and to, to grow and adopt, and it's going to just keep morphing, and it's going to be getting better and better and better and better. It's a culture that's going to help bring you into a relationship with Christ. So we want to create a kind of a, a vibe in the culture of like, we want to create events. We want to create things like last month we did, some of you guys came to it, we did axes and stakes. You know, so we had an axe throwing competition, and then we had a really awesome steak meal with a little bit of like a 10-15 minute message. That was based on evangelism. And it was built really for the guys, not like the church guy or the guys that maybe would be already followers of Christ. It was built for the guy that was like, hey, screw church. Forget that place. You know, that guy. We're trying to, so if you, you go up to that guy, you're like, hey, bro, you want to throw some axes and eat some steaks? I mean, those were the types of guys that came. And we had so many guys like that. So we're building those types of things and we're practicing the Mountain Poplar Grove so that we can uh, partner with like a beloved church with Bob, Pastor Bob, and we'll start bringing those things here. We're, we started, we want to start collaborating and moving this out. I believe it's time, and I believe Grace Ops is really coming out at such a time as this to help rebuild the ancient ruins, help rebuild the walls, help restore hope within the heart of a man. Because if, if we can build men and encourage men and help you be these tender and tough men of righteousness who live upright, the world will benefit because God made you that way. We're not always right. We think we are, right? Like we're, if you think of male and female, we're, we're half of the God, the God part and the female's the other half, right? So, so 50% of the time at least, right, we're right. But uh, we think it's 100, you know, but... Uh, but, but your role, your voice, your ability to walk after the living God, your passion to speak identity over sons and daughters. I have four daughters. Pray for me. Seriously, that's, that's tough, man, because I have four, plus a wife. So I live, I live with five emotional beings in my house, right? And I have a sheep who dog. Don't even get me started. I don't even know how they call them sheep who's, whatever the heck that is. But uh, So I'm constantly around... And I, I feel the power of the masculine. It's on display in my house. I mean, yeah, I'm a brood. I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm the bull in the china cabinet almost daily. You know, almost daily I'm apologizing for something. But these girls are drawn to my heart because I'm the man that will step forward in their life. I will grab them and pray with them. I will grab them and speak life over them. I will help them. I'll go by, beside their bed when they're crying about something. They're insecure. They're scared. Or they got three pimples instead of two. And they think the whole world's going to break down. You know, I'll get right in their little faces and be like, you've got to overcome this. This is the enemy attacking your character. You have a prophetic gift. You, you love knowledge. And just, I'm constantly, as a father, I'm, I'm like a battle ram just pushing back against the enemy. And that's your role, men. 
Men speak forth identity. Why do you think the enemy has taken... We're in a fatherless generation. There's a lot of work to do. I mean, there's massive amount of work to do. So I always charge men, we've got to learn what it means to be adopted as sons and daughters in our, in our kingdom life. We, you have to know who you are as a son of God. And Grace Ops is going to help you in that area. We're going to empower you in your own purpose and your own identity so that you can go out and do the same thing with other young men. I say this often, but if you do not practice Christianity as a disciple who follows Christ, that's how I define it. If you don't practice Christianity as one who follows Christ as a disciple, then stop calling yourself a Christian. There's no such thing as a Christian who's not a disciple. It's just not biblical. We can't claim Christ like from some distance, from a couple arm lengths away, and be like, oh yeah, I kind of agree with those belief systems or those... No, that's not Christianity. Christianity is that we see the sacrifice of the cross, we see our own need, our own depravity, our own ache, our own where we need the living God. We need his love, his forgiveness, his kindness, his tenderness. So men are under attack, and I believe the enemy's agenda looks like this. I just kind of put this together. It's it's a simple agenda, and you could add to this, or you could even take away from it, but it's destroy the man, break down the family structure, Take the father out of the picture. Replace the father with the government. The government will provide. Raise young boys and teach them that masculinity is toxic. I I dropped my little girl off at school, and uh, it is so hard to watch. Even my own kids with a mask on, and I tell my daughter, I'm like, take it off 12 to 15, 20 times a day. Just rebel against it. Wear it wrong. Wear it crooked. Forget to put it on. Make it get dirty, and you, you couldn't wear it for like 20 minutes. I'm like, I mean, I'm like, just rebel against it. Make it hard for them to keep a mask on your face. But dude, the other day, I'm dropping her off, and there's this little guy getting out of a car. He's got his backpack on. He's telling his mom goodbye, and he's all masked up, and I'm like, oh my gosh. We are cutting, we're neutering that kid right out of the, you know what I mean? Like taking his masculine, just boom. He's already being trained like, well, you just wear a mask because that's what you do. And you go home and drink soy milk for lunch. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> maybe you like soy milk. Maybe it's good for you. I don't really know. But it's, um, <laughs> so. So the enemy can destroy the future of any culture by destroying the masculine. Men are vital to our culture, to, to, for our culture to function in a healthy manner. Fathers are vital. The masculine is vital. Protectors. We need men who protect communities. We need men who make it hard for the bad guy. That's what, the men, that's what men do. It's vital. Men are vital to fathering children, protecting and providing. The masculine is not toxic. Don't be confused about that. There's so much energy out there like that. Don't be confused about that. Masculinity is not toxic. It's God-ordained. Now, you can have a form of toxic masculinity, and you might need to mature in Christ to kind of come out of some of those, what I call like the broken masculine, that tough guy thing, right? Like the, the tough guy under Christ's leadership learns how to be tender, but also learns how to be firm and hold that line. And what I've learned as I've matured in Christ is I, I, I'm, I'm always kind of like this, this battle ram against the enemy. As a shepherd, as one who, I lead a church, I started a church. I don't stand between the people and God. 
I don't mediate between you and God. I'm, I don't have that kind of power. I mediate between the body of Christ and the enemy. I'm here to help fend off wolves and help show you, hey, you might want to think about these two other things. Or you might want to consider this way. God made the masculine to work with the feminine. God made two genders, not 65 or 100, whatever the number is now. God made two genders. He created them both male and female. That's so confusing. Think about the little guy with the mask, right? He goes in and he's already going to start learning about 65 genders. I mean, just, we've got guys, and it's, we can't cower back because that's the, that's, the, that's the temptation in this hour, isn't it? I'll just forget it. It's already gone. It's lost. There's no hope. No, 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 no. We've got to take every inch of ground in the backyards and the counties and little districts here and there. We've got to start taking back every little inch of ground. I have a great friend who's been a judge for 20 years in Rockford. I met with him the other day. I'm like, let's talk. Let's hang. And he's like, look, if you're not registered to vote, if you're not... Um, if you don't know all your local state reps and how to get a hold of them and their emails and all that kind of stuff, he's like, you're a communist. <laughs> that's what he said, so I, I didn't want to. But that's, it's important, guys. It's important for us to do that. And that's just on a political front. And politics matter because we're watching how it affects our lives. Politics are not my hope. My hope is in the kingdom of God. I mean, really, in the government, in the kingdom the, the, his ruling and his reigning, his leading over my life. But we still have to pay attention to that in the earth because we're called to bring his salvation into the earth. We're called to actually establish heaven here. And the way heaven gets established in the earth is by the way you live, not by the way you believe. Or you could even say by the way you believe, but then you'd have to have the word live there. It's what you practice. It's not just these dogmas and doctrines that we check boxes off with. That's, a da- that's, like, that's, that's like religion. It's like, it's like kind of knowing a form of God, but detached from his heart, his intimacy, and his power. You don't know how to abide in his presence. You don't even know how to produce anything. You're just like this religious, dogmatic. And some of those people are weird, dude. You ever been around some of those folks? Like they're just, just shooting dogma. It's like, whoa, dude, just calm down, man. Just, I get it. You know, some of those people are too, way intense. We have to learn how to listen to people. We have to learn how to listen to their heart. We have to learn how to listen. That makes you a good evangelist. If you listen and hear the ache of the heart, then you speak as the Holy Spirit directs you. Then you speak the mysteries of the gospel. Then you proclaim. So men, it's time to rise up. It's time to take your rightful place in our culture. And Grace Ops is here to resource you, to equip you in that energy. We're here as a band of brothers being trained by grace to conquer darkness and to empower men to live upright. So I want to get into the Titus 2.12. So I'll give you a little bit of the history background here. Grace Ops started on my computer, not the same one, but a computer I owned like 17 years ago. That's how this thing's almost 20 years old in the, in the, in the depths of who I am as like a visionary. And it never was called Grace Ops back then. I didn't have that type of creativity or insight. I was going to call it Kill Tobiah. <laughs> How do you like that? Um, I really liked it, right? Like killtobiah.com. I still own that domain, and I always will just for sentiment. But uh, 
But Tobiah is Sanballat and Tobiah came against Nehemiah in the building of the wall. So for me, it was like, kill the spirits of the air, kill the spirits of darkness. Like, kill them. And then, you know, I'm getting ready to launch this, and there's like, there's like Muslim tension in the world and all stuff, and I'm, coming out, I'm gonna come out and launch something called Kill, you know, Kill Tobiah. And I had, I had one of the board members, he, he really challenged me, and he's this Greek guy, and he's really hard nosed and hard, really intense. He's like, your name's wrong, you can't go out with Kill Tobiah. I'm like, all the other friends of mine like it. All the other board members like it, but you're just weak, you know? And so him and I have these little talks for like a year and a half. These talks would go on. He's like, no, you got to change it. And then I, about a year in, I was like, oh, I think he's right. I think he's right. I think, he's got, I think he has a point there. So it came out of, I love Titus chapter two. I've preached from this scripture many times. And one day I was just meditating and I was actually um, just taking my time through this passage and I just saw it. Now, I'll preface this. If you would have told me five years ago or ten years ago that I was going to uh, you know, co-found an organization that had the word grace in it, I would have said, no way, man, you're nuts. I, I wouldn't have put grace. The, grace would not be my first choice of words ever. Like, but I fell in love with it after God did this thing. So here's the thing. I'm studying one day. Titus 2, 11 and 12, we'll read it because we're going to go ahead and dive into it. This is the T2, 12 culture. This is pretty much where everything grace has kind of emerges from, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. So we like the thought about being saved by grace, right? Saved by grace, saved by grace. And then it goes on and says, training us to renounce ungodliness. So when I saw the word grace and I saw the word train, there was where I got grace ops. I was like, wait a minute. And then I started to fall in love with the concept of God's grace. Not that I hated grace, but here's the thing, right? Grace has been watered down, right? Grace has been like way watered down, like as if it's like some weak thing that empowers our weaknesses or, or, or overlooks our weaknesses. Or, or maybe it's like a Romans 6 thing where it's like you can just use your, the grace of God as a license to sin. You know, that's kind of where grace has gotten. We've watered the standards of God's salvation down so much that we just think grace is so cheap. And the church has made grace like a cheap whore, you know, kind of like this, made the church like a whore, right? Just go off and do what you want to do, be a harlot, and then come back to God and just tell him you're sorry. You don't even have to really mean it, but it's, and then, then there's people out there preaching things like this. Don't worry about repenting for your sins ever again, because God's already forgiven all of your sins. It's like, what the heck, dude? That's like committing adultery in your wife, and, well, God's already forgiven that, honey, so I'm not even going to tell you about it. And she finds out from a friend. You know what I'm saying? Like, it just gets weird really quick. Grace empowers us. So God's grace is saving the earth. It's bringing salvation, bringing the power, the finished work of the cross into the earth. The opportunity for men to tap into the finished work of Christ conquering darkness, of Christ redeeming the earth of Christ making all things new, of us able to come to him as sinners, and he turns us into saints, literally in an instance. Because it's not by our works that we should boast. And this passage here has the two colors of salvation in it. There's two colors in the kingdom of God, and one of them is red, is scarlet. And that's like God's tapestry from Genesis to Revelation. It's follow the blood trail, right? Follow the redeeming heart of God all through the scripture. It's like a tapestry. 
God does save, and even in this hour, he saves by grace. The grace of God brings salvation into the earth. Doesn't mean everybody's saved. We have to choose to fall in line. We have to choose to surrender, give our hearts to Christ. And the second color of this tapestry is gold. It's the golden ruling and reigning of God's kingdom. And you find that right here in, in, in Titus 2, 11 and 12. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation, bringing the gospel, bringing the power of the world to come. Check this out. This is what grace gets us to eventually, guys. It's like, there's a couple of thoughts I'm kind of going to collide real quick here. So one of them is like the finished work of the cross is so finished and so powerful and mighty, it kind of gives us like a whiplash. And it takes our minds time to catch up with what's already been finished and done. That's why the mind has to be renewed. We've got to catch up to what, the, what God already did on the cross and know that it's not in our strength that produces it in our lives. It's all him and his grace bringing it into our hearts. But we're cooperating with that. We're partnering with it. We're allowing room. We're bringing it in. We're, we're, we're strategically connected to the work of grace in our lives, but not what it did on the cross. That's all Christ. So I say it all the time. We don't, you don't earn salvation. We're not, we're not trying to earn our salvation. But once you receive the gift, now you're proving that you've been saved. You are putting it on display. You are supposed to prove Hey, I received Christ. Well, your life should be radically different, right? I mean, if you receive Christ and, and all the things in your life that were there before Christ, like porn and, you know, idols, all these other different things, if they're all still there at the same level, the same intensity, oh, I don't, I don't, I really struggle with, like, I don't know if you really met God. I don't know if it really penetrated. I don't know if it really got to you. I don't know if you really got that whole die to yourself thing and, like, you know, being able to remove things, but see, grace allows us, it empowers us. So it's training us. The grace of God brings salvation, and then the next word is trains us to renounce. And the word renounce, right out of the Oxford Dictionary, listen to the power of this definition. It's a verb, so it's action, and it means to formally declare one's abandonment of a claim, a right, or a possession. So it's kind of like the enemy once had claim over your life because you partnered with darkness. You were lost. God's grace brings his salvation, his saving, healing, delivering power into your life. And now it's up to you to allow grace to train you to renounce that claim. The second thing is law to, to refuse or resign a right or position, especially one as an heir or trustee. And the third thing is abandon a cause, bad habit, or way of life. In the Greek, the word actually kind of, the word renounce goes along with the idea and the definition of breaking harmony with. Stop partnering with it. Resist it. Resist it. Get some spiritual muscles. Get some spiritual resolve, some spiritual backbone. So grace is bringing salvation and grace is training us to renounce. I love this. Renounce two parts death. We renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. Anything in those categories, the lust of the eyes, the desires of the heart, the lust of the flesh, 
Any of those three areas that we have partnered with in the area of ungodliness and worldly passions, we are supposed to be alert, men. We're supposed to, God's grace is not soft. It's not just sitting there lulling you to sleep and telling you everything's okay. God's grace is like making you robust, making you powerful, making you a mighty man of God, making you a man like Yeshua, like Jesus, the Christ, the Son of the living God. That he's forming us into the very image of the Son, and we got to have one another. This is where camaraderie and this band of brothers thing comes in because for me to be strengthened and trained in grace, I need your help. You need my help. We can't do this alone. This is not a lone ranger kind of thing. Like Christianity is not just this, you know, one guy going out there. Even Jesus had a band, right? Jesus had the 12, and of the 12, he did the three. And then one of them proclaimed that he was like the favorite of all, but that was what he said. <laughs> He's like, and I was the favorite. I don't know if you ever read it that way, but um, it's kind of funny. So, so we're renouncing the claim of darkness that we once partnered with. So this is what it would look like, guys. This is what it would look like in your daily life. You would wake up. You'd get some time with God because that's what men and God do. We get time with God when we wake up. We get time with God when we're aching in the middle of the day. We get time with God in the evening. Right? You can go 40 days without food and you only go three days without water. And if this is the living water, if you're three days out, you're dead. You got to stay tethered to the word. You got to stay anchored in this thing. Get in the word. Get someone else to help you. If you're, you know, I don't think the Bible's boring. I personally think reading's boring. Anybody else like that? Like it just reading, it's like, I hate reading. So I listen to it. I like to read, you know, and I've learned that I can get about a chapter or two a day and that's about my limit. And I had to learn that a long time ago because like you get these guys like you get five chapters a day, 10 chapters a day. It's like, dude, <laughs> all right, I'm going to try it, right? So it's, I, I did it once, you know, 30 days here, 40. How many times have you ever restarted reading the Bible, right? <laughs> Come on, you're dudes. I know it's like a lot. That counts high. You've read, you've read Genesis like 25 times, and that's it. <laughs> right? It's like, but you got to learn yourself and learn to give yourself the grace to just read a chapter a day, whatever your style is. Just get in the Word. I don't care if you read a verse a day. If you're meditating on it and bringing it into your heart, good. If it's causing your life to change, that's what the Word is for. It's not just a blow through and no. Greeks, they learn knowledge to spar intellectually. This is ancient thinking. Hebrews would learn knowledge to revere the heart of God. Modern man, we're in a really weird warning zone that may we not learn knowledge just to use it. Because it's kind of like that now, isn't it? On the phones and... We're just using it, Google this, that. We've got access to all this knowledge. Let's not just be users of it. Let's let it intimately get in here like the Hebrews did. And they weren't all perfect at it, but that was the essence in the heart that the, a good Hebrew would, would draw near to the living God, the Da'at Elohim. They would know the Lord, the knowledge of God, so that they could revere. That's the point that we would revere the living God. How you doing? Doing good? All right, I just got a couple more minutes, and uh, I'll shift gears into the end of this thing here, and we'll pray. So grace is training us to renounce ungodliness. This is what it would look like in your daily life. You would wake up. You'd get in the Word, and you would use the T212 kind of like model. You'd use that as a daily tactic. 
that as something came up in your heart, oh, Father, a temptation comes. Lord, I come, I come to you as a son of righteousness. And you've empowered me by your grace to live upright. So right now, Lord, I just want to take time and I want to renounce. I want to break. I want to just say it again out of my mouth that I make a formal declaration that I break the power that once partnered with me. And I break it through your blood and through your authority and through your might. And I apply that right now in the mighty name of Jesus. That thing comes back, call one of your brothers. I can guarantee you when you make that phone call or you text somebody to reach out, it'll, it'll lose power really quick. Because darkness only works in the dark, right? When you bring any ounce of light into it, you bring one man of God. And let that man of God have that honor. Let that, allow that man of God to have that honor when you're struggling. Let him feel like, whoa, man, that guy, you know, most guys don't reach out to anybody. So let's start breaking that. Because the more radical we get for God, the more powerful we are through his grace and living upright is what will attract the world into this thing. And I'm personally thankful that there's, there's a dragon in the White House. I'm thankful that we're in the days of the dragon and the bride. I'm thankful for that. I don't like it just as much as you don't. But I'm thankful because it's going to make the church wake up. And Grace Ups is here, I believe. It's not the only thing. It's not going to save the men of the whole nation. I think it will touch a lot of them, maybe even millions of them. But it will be one of the things that the Father fashioned for these days. To bring awakening, accountability, resourcing, reinstalling passion, reinstalling this whole thing of revering the Lord. The church is guilty of misusing knowledge. I'm guilty of misusing knowledge. When I read that quote by Abraham Herschel, right? He's, a, he's like a scholar guy. I read that quote of the Greeks and the Hebrews and, and the modern man. I was like, oh, the, oh my gosh, the modern man. I'm guilty. I'm guilty of that. Learn the word? To what? To preach the word? Or to live the word. Yeah, both, right? But how easy is it to learn the word just to preach it, just to tell somebody else about it, just to have the dogma, just to have, you know what I'm saying? We can get guilty of just using knowledge. So grace trains us to renounce two parts death, ungodliness and worldly passions. And then it goes on to three parts life. There's a greater emphasis on living. So the grace of God is bringing salvation, but it's also bringing training. So we could say saved by grace and trained by grace. Grace is robust. Grace is mighty. Grace is training you in a, in a lifestyle that's called living upright. So it's training us to be self-controlled. That's a fruit of the Holy Spirit, right? Amen. To actually have control of our, of our mind, will, and our emotions. You can control yourself. We live in a day and age where... And I'm gonna, this might step on some toes, but everybody's a victim of something today, right? You might be taking some pill or something like this because you've got some disease. Well, I'm sorry that you agreed that you had that disease. I'm sorry that you brought it into your life through your own words and gave her permission to live there like it's yours now. Well, you need to renounce that. You actually need to renounce that claim, that partnership that you just made. So if I know someone's struggling with something, I'll say, hey, look, it's okay to say that you're struggling with something, but don't ever bring it into the intimate place and say, it's my disease, my thing. You watch all the commercials, what do they say? My diabetes, my cancer, my this, my that. It's like, oh my gosh, dude. Get it off of me. Right? Because it's the power of the mind and the thinking, and like, they're just psychologically killing us. Right? 
I mean, that's what it is. Like, here, there's a pill for this and a pill for that. We're just the big pill daddy, right? You want to sell drugs on the street? That's illegal. But the government will just sell them all day long through the doc. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. I'll move on to... Um, let me get back to my notes here. <laughs> so, <laughs> anybody else see that stuff? <laughs> you know what I mean? Okay. So, grace empowers us in the area of being self-controlled. We're not victims. You might have some issues going on in your life. You might have some issues in your health. But you're not a victim. As soon as you become a victim, it just gets really weird and creepy. Even if somebody abused you and did something terrible to you, right? You're still not a victim if you're in Christ. Christ washes over that. Christ empowers you to do what he did on the cross. Father, forgive them. Oh, my life's so much more focused on you. They don't even know what they're doing. He helps minimize the damage. He helps bring repair. He brings the ointment you need. And, he, and you can be healed and you can be talking crazy like, oh, yeah, that person hurt me bad, but I forgive them and I love them. Grace is training us to live upright. Grace is training us to, to live godly lives in this present age. And you can go on. I encourage you to study the whole Titus chapter 2. And study all of it. Kind of take, take, this is kind of like a pinnacle in that part. But it's all about belief and behavior. It's about faith and practice. It's about abiding and producing. So men are under attack. Grace Ops is here to empower men to live upright. Through resources, we've got a podcast running right now. We've got just about 50 episodes up on that thing. Go listen to all of them. Go check them out. We're working on, it. We're working on rolling out an app in the next quarter. We're writing our first book that will be done in about 60 days. We're, we're just going to keep going and keep being this machine that we're just going to start going all across little pockets here and there as the Lord opens doors. But we're going to invite you into this culture so that you can be part of the T212 culture. You can be empowered to live upright through grace. And you can come into this partnership that Grace Ops is partnering with the Great Commission to actually draw men to Christ and actually help them follow Christ. We're building behind the scenes. We're going to be building leadership training that, that men will be able to go through. So Bob's going to be one of the guys that's going through it. He's going to help us develop some of it. We've, we've got 20-plus videos we're going to be making on that behind-the-scene part. So you might go, hey, I want to do this in my church like Bob's doing here. Or you might go, hey, I want to do this in my gym. i got three or four guys that we could work out, and we could watch one of these videos, these three-minute videos, and we could talk about these things, right? You, you might want to be one of those guys that goes through our training that's going to be launching soon. So here's what I would encourage you to do. Go to our website, gracehouse.net, and there, there'll be a little uh, email thing that pops up. Just get on the email. Because as we're developing all this, that'll be the easiest way for us to stay in touch with you right now. We'll, we'll say, hey, the training's ready to go, and we'll give, have other on-ramps of how you can sign up for it. In the Grace Ops culture, this T212 culture, we've made what we call, it's kind of like an anvil in our culture, and it's called the five-star charge. The whole afternoon is going to be based on the five-star charge. The whole afternoon is going to be like rapid fire. It's going to be really fun. But the five-star charge, which is honor, affection, liberty, war, and valor, we're going to be talking about those five virtues that we're championing into the lives of men, into your hearts, into your habits. 
how to honor the Lord, how to walk affectionate. So it sounds weird at a men's conference. I'd be affectionate. But really, the affections of Christ, my affections just to my wife, to my daughters, to sons and daughters in our church, to spiritual sons and daughters in my life, just that affection. Letting them know that you believe in them. Speaking identity, speaking purpose, purpose, purpose. That's what we, do you ever notice that, guys? You probably say that a lot, right, right? In your own family lives, in your own. Men speak purpose. Men speak identity. So the enemy will attack your own so you'll be confused on how to see it. And Grace House is going to create a, uh, we're going to create like this 365-day culture. That's where this thing's headed. And we're, we're building it so it can kind of branch out here and branch out there and go small in the backyard. Because we really believe to reach this country, we've got to go after the backyards. We've got to be doing this stuff around bonfires and burgers, right? That's how you make disciples. <laughs> so as I close, we created this culture for you, for men. And a woman might go, well, I want to wear one of the shirts. Because here's the deal. It's going to impact the families. But we put it right on here to empower men to live upright. So we would tell the ladies, you come from men. So you're included, right? Oh, that's so offensive. And you're like, what did he just say, dude? Whoa. <laughs> I'm going to tell my wife she came from man. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, they came from biblically right out of the... We come from dirt. They come from bone, man. They're, they're made of better substance. That's why when we see them, we're like, whoa. <laughs> anyway, I've got a bunch of jokes there that I'm going to pass by. Um, <laughs> no, I want to. No, <laughs> to. We created this culture for you to draw, to draw to Christ men, to draw men to Christ and to train them to follow Christ, to empower you in, in your purpose and your identity, to empower you in biblical masculinity. We're not just being masculine. We're doing it in a biblical way. And the Lord has given us a million examples in scriptures. It's awesome. To empower you to live upright, to, to walk in godly virtue of honor, affection, liberty, war, and valor. You'll be hearing about that this afternoon. To take this into your own life, to take it into your backyard, and to do this around bonfires. That's what we're inviting you in here today. So I would love nothing more for you in your heart. Be like, dude, I'm in. I want to be part of Grace Ops. I want to learn with it. I want to grow with it. I want to get into the resources. I want to see what's going on. I want to partner with it. You know, every, everybody knows that things need fuel. Things need finances to take off. We'd love for you to partner with us on our website. We'd love for you just to partner with us. Help us do this thing. We're going to be building all kinds of things. And they're going to be coming out quick. In this next quarter, a lot of stuff's going to come out. So we want you to stay connected to it so we can inspire you, not only to live upright through, through grace, but so that you can change the lives of other men that you know. So you can be a bold witness and put the power of God on display. And I'll end with this thought. Christ defeated the enemy on the cross. He defeated darkness. Christ will return to destroy the enemy. So in Christ, we have a particular assignment that grace is empowering us to and training us in. And it's being the first fruits of a coming world. So post-cross, the enemy has a bruised head. Genesis 3, the heel, the MMA fight between Jesus and Satan, right? There was a heel strike. 
and it bruised the enemy's head, so he's got a bruised head, and Jesus has a bruised heel from that battle. The enemy's defeated right now, but not destroyed. When Jesus returns, the enemy will be destroyed. It's part of the, part of the world to come. But guess what? If you and I are first fruits of a coming world, guess what this world should be tasting? This world should be tasting all of the power of the cross in you, and this world should be tasting, so the world and the spirits of the air should also be tasting all of the power of the coming government and the coming world of Christ. So, he, so the enemy, when the enemy comes up against the men of God, they, he should just, your resolve and your ability to see and, and be keen and alert and push back and attack back, because you're trained by grace, your ability to do those things, the enemy doesn't just taste defeat. He starts to taste the coming destruction. Like, whoa, where did that come from? Well, that comes from the coming world. And I happen to be a first fruit. I happen to be an ambassador. I happen to be a representation of a coming government that's going to totally annihilate you, Satan. Come on, do you want that kind of life? See, right now, the enemy's got us by our throats, right? We live in yoga pants culture, right? We live in political correct culture, right? But we're calling you to rise up out of that, men, and to take a stand. Take your rightful place as sons of God. And that's what Grace Ups is. We're here to empower you. Love you guys. Yeah, come on. That's my water. Um, does that resonate in your spirit, in your heart, in your soul? Yeah. Yeah, that's good stuff. Um, we want to take an offering and bless Grace Ops. Um, Today, the donation at the door is going to cover lunch and whatever, and, and our treats this afternoon and whatever else is balanced there. We want to pour into this mission. Make sure that your heart is behind anything you pour in at any point of this day, right? <laughs>